to the cross. He took our place. He was battered and broken and bruised and, and bled for you and I. He won our spiritual victory. He gave us His Word so that we understand how to appropriate it. He sent His Spirit to dwell within us so that where we are weak, He is strong, so that the Spirit of God can rise up in our areas of weakness so that we can appropriate the victory that He's done. He has done everything that needs to be done. One of my favorite verses, and I know I quote it all the time, Maybe I quote it so much you'll memorize it without even trying. It's in the book of 1 Peter and it says that he has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through these exceedingly great and precious promises we become partakers of his divine supernatural unlimited nature. He has done that. That's not something that's yet to be done in future tense. That's something that Jesus has already accomplished on our behalf. He's given us everything that we need. But in spite of all that, you and I have to choose to let his mind dominate our lives. That's just the bottom line. You can choose to let your own mind dominate your life. You can choose to let other people's minds, their opinions, their thoughts, their ideas dominate your life. You can choose to let the world's culture dominate your life. Here's a fact. You may not like it. You can disagree with me all you want to. You're going to find out it's a fact. What you feed yourself is what's going to dominate. Just a fact. Just your, our mind, where you think they got their idea from computers from? It came from the human brain. The way things work is what you put in is ultimately what influences what comes out. So if we feed from the altar of culture, if we feed from the altar of other people's opinion, if we feed from the altar of just our own thinking, then that's what's going to dominate our lives. But if we will let the mind of Christ rule, if we'll let His thoughts, His victory, His love, His compassion, His word, His purpose rule our lives, then we can experience the life, the abundant life, that the Bible says is ours. So let this mind be in you. All the teaching, all the preaching that anybody can do, it comes down to this. What will you do with it? What will I do with it? I can sit under, and I have been privileged to sit under some of the greatest teachers, some of the greatest preachers, and, and even, if you, even if you think, well, I don't have that privilege. We have access to books. We have access to teaching today at our fingertips like you can't imagine. You could sit under the greatest teachers of the Word of God all day, every day, but it all comes down to will you believe? Will you receive? Will you change the way you think, the way you speak, the way you live, the way you act, and the way you respond? If you will let the will of God and the mind of God rule your life, then you can have the kind of life that He wants you to. Now, here's the thing. This is where the, it gets a little tough. He describes the mind of Christ. And we don't always like it. He says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself, one translation says, emptied Himself, of all his reputation. He made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a slave or bondservant and came in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, notice this phrase, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 
Now here's where things mess up in our lives quite often. We, we quoted last week or we studied from 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where it talks about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly but they're mighty to, through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down of imaginations and arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. And then we spent a little time on the, the last verse we, we went through in 2 Corinthians 10 where it says that taking every thought captive. How many of you are just honest enough, you don't have to raise your hand, but think about it. How many of you are honest enough to realize that it's your thought life that gives you the problems? I mean, come on, you, 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 you listen to a teacher on the radio, you listen to somebody on the internet, you, you come to church, you go to a conference, you go to a seminar, maybe you just have a good conversation with somebody who knows God and loves God, and all of a sudden, that thinking starts to rule in your life because that's what you're hearing at the moment, and you're like, yeah. This will work. Yeah, things can get better. Yeah, I believe that. All of a sudden, your outlook begins to change. But here's the problem. You get out of that environment. You get away from that teaching or those people or whatever the case may be. And then the world floods in and life floods in and circumstances flood in. And other people's opinions and voices come in. And, and your thoughts, these thoughts begin to bomb out. Oh, that will never work for you. Yeah, that may work for some people, but it will never work for you. I mean, you can't, well, you can't really get to know the Word of God while you're just so busy. And you've tried this before. And you know you always fail. And you, How many times have you been at the altar? How many times have you prayed this prayer? How many times have you made a commitment? How many, and look, you always fail. Thoughts. So the Bible says take every thought, every single one captive to the obedience of Christ. But here's the thing. Jesus became obedient, we just read, all the way to the point of death. Even death on the cross. And here's where we fail. We start to deal with our thought life because we've heard teaching. There's nobody. If you've been in this room at the very least for the last few Sundays, you've heard teaching about your thought life. I, and that's not the first time I know I've ever taught on it. And I guarantee you, you've heard teaching from other people. We know the battle in our mind. And to be honest, most of us know what to do with the battle in our mind. The problem is we don't do it because we start and then it gets hard. It's easier just to kind of sit on the couch and watch TV. It's easier when we don't feel good and we're depressed or whatever just to cruise around on the internet and, and see what's going on with everybody else's life. Sometimes we see other people's lives that seems to be better than ours and that causes us to have envy and jealousy. Sometimes we see other people's lives that's worse for, than ours and let's just be honest, sometimes that makes us, and this is horrible, it makes us almost want to celebrate. Because, oh, well, at least my life's not that bad. But when we do any of those things, we're not getting better. We're not changing. Because we took our thoughts captive all the way to the point of inconvenience. We took our thoughts captive all the way to the point of difficulty. We took our thoughts captive all the way to the point where our desire to follow God came into conflict with our desire to please our flesh. And then we stopped. And then we begin to battle with all the things we were battling with before and we get discouraged and sometimes we begin to wonder if, if you know, maybe we failed in some way and why this isn't working for us and why prayers aren't working for us. But the thing is, Jesus was obedient to the point of death. So when we come to the point that we love Jesus so much, listen to what I'm about to say because this is really the root of everything. When we love Jesus more than we love us, when we love Jesus more than we love the things that we like, 
When we love Jesus more than we love what's comfortable, when we love Jesus more than we love what's familiar, when we love Jesus more than we love all of the trappings in our life, we'll be willing to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, which was to the point of death. We bring our thoughts to the cross. And there are, listen, if you can look at the cross and still hold on to your stuff that put Jesus there, then something's wrong. Because when you really see the cross, you see a battered, bruised, broken, bleeding Savior. And when you really understand the cross, you realize that it was no fault of His own that put Him there. It was our brokenness. It was our sin. It was yours. It was mine. So when we bring our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, we're taking our thoughts captive to the place of His death. We're bringing it to the cross where He took our pain and He took our sorrow and He took our grief and He took our confusion where he took our bondage and our addiction and our brokenness and our unforgiveness and he dealt it all a death blow by the power of his resurrection. It says, therefore, verse 9, because Jesus was willing to become obedient to the point of death, that was his mind. So what does it say? It says, let his mind operate in you. It says we have the mind of Christ, but I have to choose to let it operate. Well, when it's operating, it means I'm willing to forsake all else to follow Christ. We don't hear a lot about that anymore. It used to be normal, commonplace. People would say, hey, if you don't have to do anything to receive forgiveness, but if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to let some things go. You don't have to do anything to experience His grace. Jesus has done all that for you, but if you're really going to be a disciple, you've got to let some things go. You've got to walk away and walk in obedience to Christ because those anything that you would hold on to, rather than walk in complete obedience to Christ, that's the one thing that's going to trip you up. And the Lord knows that. So therefore, He begins to deal with those things in our life. So when Jesus was willing to come to the cross on our behalf, it says, Therefore God highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name, so that now, today, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue, and those in heaven and earth and below the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, here's a fact. One day, Satan himself, his literal physical knees will bow, and his literal tongue will confess, Jesus is Lord. One day that's going to happen. See, an amazing thing is every demon in hell will one day confess that Jesus is Lord. Everybody who right now raises their fist to the heavens and says, you know, that they defy God and they defy the church, and one day their knees are going to bow and their tongues are going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's going to happen because Jesus was willing to do what he did. Now you say, well, that's all great and wonderful about Jesus, but, you know, I can't, I don't know how that applies to me. The book of James says this Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Then it says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay, now let's just get real. I, I know that it's not a demon that causes every problem in our life, but ultimately, it's the devil. Ultimately, if you want to trace it back far enough, it's the devil that's causing the issues in our life. Maybe not himself personally, but he set into motion. The things in this world at the fall of mankind. He set sin into motion. He set the deception into motion. He set the fear into motion. He set, it didn't come from God, trust me. But it, he set it into motion. 
Now, Jesus has won victory for us, but if we're going to operate in victory, we have to walk in his mind. And his mind became obedient to the point of death, but the first thing it said was he humbled himself. He was willing to strip himself of everything he could have been, everything he was, and everything he could hold on to. He was willing to let all of that go on your behalf and mine so that we could have freedom and hope and forgiveness. Then the Bible says, think the same way. Live the same way. And then... James says, here's how it works, guys. It starts by humbling yourself. I got a revelation for you. You don't know everything that you think you know. Neither do I. You're not as smart as you think you are. You may be smart, but you're not as smart as you think you are. Neither am I. You don't have it all as together as you think you do. And neither do I. So humble yourself. Just come before the presence of God and make the most obvious, should be the most obvious statement we could ever make. Hey, Jesus, you're Lord, I'm not. Jesus, you're, you're the victor, and my victory only comes through you. Jesus, you're my Savior. You're my deliverer. You're my healer. You're my wisdom. You're my peace. You're my joy. You're my hope. Everything that is good comes down from you, so God, I bow before your throne, my only Hope is yours. So wherever my thoughts disagree with your thoughts, let, them, let my thoughts die. Wherever my opinion disagrees with your opinion, let my opinion die. Wherever my dreams and, and my purposes and my pursuits disagree with your plan for my life, then let my dreams die so that your dream and your purpose and your vision for me can live. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And then what happens? He will lift you up just like we just read. Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And therefore God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name. Now you see, one day Satan and every demon and every world authority will proclaim Jesus as Lord, but you and I get the privilege of doing it now. You and I get the joy to choose to proclaim and recognize the rule of Jesus on the earth and in our personal lives today. And when I do that, then I'm operating in his thoughts. I'm operating in his mind. I'm operating with his attitude. I'm humbling myself. He's lifting me up. Then I can resist the devil. And he'll flee from me. There's a lot of times that we'll complain and gripe about the fact, well, I don't know, man, I've been praying this prayer. I've been standing against the devil and it doesn't seem to be working. Well, have you humbled yourself? You see, sometimes we're just determined that we're going to have it our way because we're determined that our way must be God's way. And therefore, we're not really humbling ourselves at all. We're just going to go about our business and we're asking God to bless it and it doesn't seem to be working and it seems like all of hell is broken loose against us and I'm praying and I'm doing everything else and it's not working. But if you trace your way back, you can find yourself at a place where God was saying, hey, I want this out of you. I want you to think this way. I want you to do things this way. But that didn't fit. It was inconvenience. It didn't work. It didn't fit with what we wanted it didn't fit with what we desired so therefore we want to follow Jesus be a Christian wind up in heaven and have a blessed and prosperous life but we don't really want to be a disciple we're not really willing to humble ourselves and therefore we're resisting the devil all right 
but he doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Do you know why? Because you're trying to resist the devil, but you're operating in somebody else's mind. You're not operating in the mind of Christ. You're trying to defeat the devil in your own mind. You're trying to defeat the devil with somebody else's ideas. You're trying to defeat the enemy while operating in his own way of thinking because you're bowing at the altar of culture. So, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And you can willfully acknowledge that Jesus is Lord over all things. And as we willfully acknowledge that, we will see that begin to operate in our life. When that begins to happen, we can just turn right over to Philippians chapter 4, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. We can begin to see these verses actually operate and work in our lives. Verse 6 of chapter 4 says, Be anxious for nothing. You've heard me say this many times. That literally means don't worry about anything. Don't, let me just say that again. Don't worry about anything. So what's going on in your life? You could begin to name different problems and circumstances. You know what God's answer to you is? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, but you don't, under, don't worry about it. But, but this, is, this is a very difficult, don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Be anxious for nothing. Well, God just must not care about my stuff. No. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let all of your requests be made known unto God. Now, how does this work? Well, I'm operating in the mind of Christ. I realize that He won the battle for me. He is my victory. He is my peace. He is everything that I desire and everything that I need. Now, right now, I've got all kinds of thoughts swirling around in my mind. Thoughts that are telling me I'm defeated. Thoughts that are telling me I'm a failure. Thoughts that are telling me I'll never get better. Thoughts that are telling me I'm always going to have this problem. Thoughts that are telling me I'm always going to be this way. But he said that I can take all those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. That means I can take it to the cross. I can take those thoughts of failure and defeat and pain and unforgiveness and insecurity and rejection. I can take them all to the cross of Jesus where he won the battle for me. Now, in order to receive victory, I'm going to have to humble myself. That means I've got to get my own thinking out of the way. You see, sometimes I feel like I've got a right to feel the way I feel. I've got a right to feel this anger. I've got a right to feel this resentment. I've got a right to feel this insecurity. I've got a right to feel this... You do have a physical fleshly right, but if you want to operate that right, that means you can't humble yourself because you're walking above and beyond what Jesus has said you should walk in, so therefore you're not going to get the results that he can give you. You can resist the devil all day long, but you're not going to experience victory because instead of operating in the realm of God, you're trying to get God's results while operating in the realm of the flesh, and it doesn't work. I'm sorry if you don't like that and maybe somebody taught you different than that, but that's fact. It doesn't work. So the only way you're going to get God's results is to do things God's way. And that means you've got to humble yourself and say, God, I feel this way, but I relinquish my rights to this feeling. I relinquish my rights to this unforgiveness. I let go of my rights to this bitterness. I let go of my rights to this just reveling in the fact that, that I'm a failure. Well, I would never do that. Well, you might if it gets you a lot of attention. You, you might if every time you kind of begin to go on about how nothing's working, if 53 people gather around you and pat you on the back and try to make you feel... See, but instead of that, Jesus, I, apart from you, am nothing. You are everything. You're my hope and my freedom. 
So I give you this pain and I give you this frustration and I give you this unforgiveness and I give you this bitterness and I give you this hurt and I give you my right to walk in it because, see, Jesus, you took all of that for me. And if you took all that for me, then why in the world do I think I've got a right to pick up what you already took for me? So therefore, I lay all of that down. What happens? You've humbled yourself, so what does God say He's going to do? He's going to lift you up. What does that mean? That means you're operating in a different realm at a different level. No longer are you trying to deal with the devil in his own playing field. You're dealing with him from a place above his playing field. Now you're operating in the realm of the kingdom of God where his authority and his power and his victory and his life are are revealed so you can resist the devil and he has no choice he has to run the other direction he has to flee from you so then you can just not worry about anything doesn't say you're not going to have things to worry about otherwise hey guys that verse wouldn't make sense if you never had anything to worry about it'd be a waste of space and God doesn't waste space so there are things you'll have that in the natural you'll have good reason to worry about God says the thing is you don't have to Why? Because, see, you have access to another realm. You have access to it. Why? Because you've humbled yourself in the sight of God. He's lifted you up. You couldn't. See, you can't lift yourself up. Anybody ever tried that? Come on. I have, and it's a good thing to worship, but I've tried to work myself up. I've tried to get myself all up in the spirit realm so that I can be in a better place but you can do that all day long the problem is if it's just you doing something for yourself the minute you step out of the room the music stops playing you get out from around other people who are encouraging all your stuff comes right back on you and you feel just as bad and maybe worse because you felt better for a little while now you don't feel good anymore and then the enemy starts working on you with frustration see it didn't work and there you go see the problem is the same problem it was before you started it's the thoughts that you have to take captive to the obedience of Christ but if you'll humble yourself in the sight of the Lord God moves you to a different place you're operating from the realm of the victory that God says is already yours and therefore because of that you don't have to worry about these things you've got God's ear all you got to do is talk to him about it Pray about everything. Add some thanksgiving to it because God is faithful and He is good. And then the awesome promises in verse 7, the very peace of God Himself which surpasses all human understanding will guard your hearts. Now notice this, not just your heart. See, if your heart was the only problem, He could stop there. But your heart's not the only problem. Your emotions are not the only problem. They can be a problem, but that's not your only problem. The problem is your mind. But the good news is if you quit worrying about things and you just talk to God about everything with thanksgiving and understand His power and His love for you, then not only will the supernatural peace of God guard your heart, it will also guard your mind through Christ Jesus. Notice the next thing he says. Finally, brethren, so we know he's talking to believers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, think or meditate on these things. Now, I know I've said this before, but I want to say it again because in our culture, we don't like anybody telling us what to do. We want to be autonomous and independent. We think that's a great badge of honor. Biblically speaking, not so much. Because you see, whether you realize it or not, you, never, you are always dependent. <laughs> we need Jesus so bad, oh, I wish, I wish we knew how bad we need Him. 
every day, all day. But he says, here guys, if you want victory, think this way. Now if I got up today and just told you, I'm going to tell you how to think, some of you would turn me off immediately. Nobody's going to tell me what to think. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I can make up my own mind. You sure can. You don't have to think this way. You can be defeated all you want to. You don't have to think this way. You can keep living the way you're living. You don't have to think this way. You can keep walking in frustration. You can keep walking in loneliness. You can keep walking in pain. You can keep walking in rebellion. You can, keep, you can choose whatever you want. But understand, you're also choosing what's coming to you. You're choosing, you reap what you sow. If you sow to the flesh, I wish we'd understand those verses were written to Christians and not non-believers. He's saying to Christians, if you as a Christian sow to your flesh, then from the flesh you will reap corruption. If you as a Christian sow to the Spirit, then from the Spirit you will reap life. You get to choose how you sow. But understand that when you sow, you're also choosing what's going to come up. What's going to be produced? It's a law. It just works that way. So he says this, think this way. So literally, I've got something to run my thoughts through. Every thought that comes my way, first question, is it true? Is it true? And I'm not talking about does the news media say it's true. They wouldn't know the truth from, from anything. They, they, and I'm, I'm talking about all sides. They just get caught listening to their own head spin and talk. They love to hear their own voice. Most of them don't know what truth is. This is truth. Period. End of story. So the first thing I do, whatever thought I'm having, whatever way I'm living, is it true? Whatever voice is whispering to me, according to God's word, is it true? If it's not, then take that thought captive. Next thing, is it noble? That means is it, is it high and virtuous? Well, I don't want to just think those high thoughts. I just want to be common like the ordinary man. Listen, we're not talking about being some holier-than-thou person who, who nobody can relate to. But you know what? You can choose whether you think on high things or base things. Sometimes we just go, our mind goes to the low. The enemy loves to keep us mucking around in the lowest common denominator of our thought life. You get to choose. Is this really I'll never forget something that someone said years ago who used to, to teach our kids. They said, anytime there was a problem, somebody wasn't acting quite right the way they should, they'd say, hey, that's not like you. That's not really you. And instead of just getting down on them and, and browbeating them, they say, hey, that's not really you. That's not like you. You need to run those things. Every thought, is this the way a child of God would think? Is that, look, I'm a, I'm a child of the king. Is this the way I should think, should think or is this beneath me? Now, I know that sounds horrible, but let's just get honest. You're a child of the king. How many of you, you can raise your hands at this. Guys, you might not want to. You may really think it, but you might not want to. But ladies, how many of you love the royal family? And if something's going on with the royal family, you've got to watch it 24-7. The weddings and all that kind of stuff. There's a few. Some of you ain't being honest. You just flat out like it. I know because I hear your conversations. You're just not wanting to admit it. Some of you guys do too. I don't blame you for not raising your hand, but just, just, just understand. But one of the things that fascinates us with the royal family is because it's so unlike anything we have here. 
we laugh at the fact that certain things are beneath them. They carry themselves in, in such ways that there are just certain things that they won't touch and they won't do because they're royal. And we can laugh at that and maybe we can get a good laugh from it. But there is a truth to that. Guys, some of y'all are running around in areas of your mind where you have no right to be. It is far beneath you. You are a child of the king. And that is so far beneath you, you shouldn't even touch it. There are some places that you go in your conversations at times, it is so far beneath you as a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You have royal DNA in your blood. You should not be going there. It is so far, and it would save you so much trouble if you would ask yourself, is this noble? I mean, it's just what it sounds like. Is it noble? Now, I know you're, oh, I don't want to think that way. Well, God said to. Well, I don't like it. Well, then you got a problem with God, not me. I didn't write it. But he said, every thought, is it noble? If it's not, then check it. Take that thought captive. Is it just? Is it right? Is it right? Is it righteous? Is this thought just? If it's not, then I'm going to take it captive. I'm not going to let myself dwell there. Is it pure? Oh, boy, could we ever solve some problems if we would run our minds through this filter? Is the thought I'm thinking pure? You know what that means. Come on. Is it clean? Is it pure? If it's not, I'm going to take it captive. Not going to dwell on it. It goes on and it says this. Is this thought, is this thing that's going through my mind, is it beautiful? Is it lovely? Can I ask you something? I just want you to think. Just how many of you just live, don't raise your hand, how many of you just live stressed out? You just live stressed out. Always something going through your mind. You're stressed out about over the shape of the world and the shape of the country and all the stuff that's going on. Now let me ask you another question. How much time do you spend on the internet or on the TV watching and listening to stuff that just is a parade of everything that's wrong? An endless parade of everything that's wrong. Do you know there are a lot of things that are right, but it doesn't make the news. Nobody wants to hear it. It doesn't feed the sponsors, because the sponsors know what happens when we advertise things that are just going to get people riled up. Now listen, I'm not saying that we need to bury our heads in the sand, but I am telling you nobody can deal with a constant 24-7 diet of nothing but junk. All the things that are horrible in the world. So listen, ask yourself, is it lovely? If it's not, then I'm going to take this thought captive. Is it a good report? Is there anything virtuous? Is there anything praiseworthy about where my mind is going right now? If it's not, then the Bible says take that thought captive and instead turn it around and think about what is true and what is just and what is noble and what is pure and what is beautiful and what is praiseworthy. Meditate on these things. That means run them around in your mind over and over. Chew on it. Chew on what's good. Chew on what's pure. Chew on what's right. Let that be what dominates your mind. And if you do, you'll operate in the mind of Christ and you'll operate in peace. Turn over to Romans chapter 8 with me and we're going to close out in just a couple of minutes. Romans chapter 8. I love these last few verses here. Some of my favorites in all of Scripture. We talked about it last week. Paul said to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death. And he said the person who's fleshly minded is the person who sets or fixes his mind on the things of the flesh. 
But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And Paul defined the person who's spiritually minded as the person who sets or fixes his mind on the things of the Holy Spirit. Now, at the end of that chapter, chapter 8 of Romans, he says this. He kind of concludes it all. He says, for I am persuaded. I know this of a truth. I've got this settled on the inside of my heart. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall ever be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Paul went through a lot of stuff. Paul went through persecution. He was stoned and left for dead. Beaten and left for dead, shipwrecked, imprisoned, talked about, lied about, betrayed, rejected. Paul knew all of that. He didn't have to have any of that because he was rising up and on his way up in social spheres. But he chose for the sake of Christ to go through all that he went through. Matter of fact, the Bible says that God showed him the things he would suffer before he ever started. And he chose to give up everything he could have had for the sake of Christ because he loved him so much and he says as much. And at the end of the day, he says this, I'm persuaded that nothing can separate me from his love. Nobody can keep me from his love. So my question is, what is your problem today? And I, I don't say that facetiously. I mean, seriously, what is your problem? Name it. What's in front of you? What's troubling you? What's got you all confused or all tore up? The Bible says it can't keep you from the love of God. It's not big enough. It's not strong enough. It can't separate you from the love of Christ. Death can't. Life can't. Angels can't. Demons can't. Principalities can't. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And if that's true, then nothing can defeat you. And if I'll arm myself with that mindset, knowing that nothing can keep me from His love, and really be persuaded in that, yeah, that's why the Bible says in 1 John, it says that the person who lives in fear has not been made complete or perfect or whole in love because perfect love casts out all fear. The more secure you are in how much Jesus really loves you all day, every day, the less fear you're going to have about anything. The more unsure you are about how much love Jesus has for you, then the more you're going to be battling with fear. So Paul says, I'm persuaded. There's nothing that's ever going to happen to me that can separate me from the love of Christ. And if nothing can separate me from His love, then nothing can defeat me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Talking about the awesome gift of freedom and forgiveness and salvation that we have as Christians. He says, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicated when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Notice this phrase. Things which angels crave or desire to search out or look into. What great salvation, forgiveness, freedom we have in Christ. The Bible says all of the Old Testament prophets, 
desired to know from the Spirit of God who they were speaking to because they knew that this generation that would receive the benefits of the blood of Jesus and the finished work of Jesus that they didn't completely understand but they were prophesying about, they knew that that generation would have something that they could only dream of. So they kept praying about it, hoping that it was their time. But it wasn't. It was for us. It was our time. The Bible says that this salvation we have, this grace we've received is so wonderful that even the angels in heaven desire to understand and search into what you and I have through Christ. See, we, we take for granted. <laughs> we, we, guys, we have it all. Well, I don't have it all. I want a big screen TV and a new house and I got a vacation I want to take. And I... Jesus said your life doesn't consist. It's not made up of material things. See, that's where our thinking is so wrong. And as long as our thinking is that way, we're going to stay frustrated and defeated. And, but he says, even angels desire to understand what you have and what I have. He goes on, he says this, Therefore, verse 13, this is what I want you to see. Therefore, gird up the loins of your, what? Mind. You have, notice he's talking to people who already have a salvation that's so wonderful that angels desire to look into it and the Old Testament prophets wanted to understand it. But he says, you're going to have to do something if you're going to experience the benefits of it. You're going to have to take care of your mind. You're going to have to get control of your mind. You're going to have to gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Get serious. Be alert. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. Get serious about this. I know I've said this a lot lately, but it keeps coming to me every service at some point. Read and or heard this a long time ago. Until the pain of staying where you are becomes greater than the pain of change, you'll stay where you are. That's just a fact. It's human nature. It's the way it works. But when being where you are, defeated and discouraged and broken and frustrated and fearful, when being where you are, bound and angry and all tied up in knots, all that, when being where you are gets to a point, I just, I don't care what it takes, I'm getting rid of this, you will change. The good news is God's given you the power to change. Through the finished work of Jesus Christ, you can walk in freedom. I did not say that you'll walk in a world where you have no problems. You will still have problems. Matter of fact, you may have the same exact problems. I, I've been saved for a while, I promise you. I've had a lot of experience with God. I never woke up on the next day and all those problems disappear. Wish they would, but they didn't. I'd usually wake up the next day to face the same problems I had the day before I had that experience with God. But I faced them different. And many of the problems that I've battled with have gone because through the blood of Jesus and through the word of God, battles were won. Now the enemy, he, get, he don't leave you alone. As long as you're in this world, you're going to have trouble. He'll come up with a new plan. He'll come up with a new deception or a new attack to try to, because he's always trying to get you distracted and discouraged. He cannot let you focus very long on just who you are and what Christ has done because he knows if you begin to do that, he loses 
every single time. So he keeps bringing one thing after another against you, whether it be physical, whether it be mental, whether it be emotional, whether it be financial, whether it be relational. He keeps bringing one thing after another because he wants to keep you distracted. But if we will gird up the loins of our mind, if we will ever once get to the place where we understand, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've faced things like this before. Now, how did, I, how did we get through it? Wait a minute, I remember... I remember I finally came to the point where I said, Jesus, I need you. I finally came to the point where I said, hey, God, you can have this. I finally came to the point where I said, hey, God, I've been trying this on my own. It hasn't been working, so God, I'm going to do this your way. And lo and behold, even though my problems didn't all go away, I was able to walk in peace and joy, and eventually I saw victory. Sometimes we do see instant victory because of humbling ourselves in the presence of Christ. So wait a minute. I know that. I remember that. Mind, think this way. What the... I, I am still victorious. Jesus still is the victor. He still won the battle. My circumstance right now doesn't change who he is or what he's done. So therefore, I take the mind of Christ. The Bible says I have it. I bring all my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. I want to walk in the freedom that he's given me. And then when the enemy comes and he says, well, you can't have it because you're not perfect. You can't have it because you messed up. You can't have it because you failed. Even yesterday, you messed up. Even after you prayed in church on Sunday, you messed up. Then and I fully rest all of my trust and faith, not in my ability, but in the grace which will be revealed at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not about me, and it's not about what I've done. It's not about you, and it's not about what you've done. It's not about what you're going to do. It's not about what I'm going to do. It's about what Jesus has already accomplished. And therefore, I take this mind because I believe greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So devil, back up, because in the name of Jesus, I have victory. I'm not going to think your thoughts. I'm not going to live your way. I'm going to operate in the freedom that God's given me. You can do it. Well, I don't know if I believe it. The Bible says you can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, I know if it's left to me and you, we'll mess up. Just get, hey guys, you're going to mess up. Come on, haven't we lived long enough to figure that out? I don't know why we hate to admit it. We just think so highly of ourselves. Even though the Bible tells us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We just do. We like to do it. We like to think we're going to get to this point where we I'm not going to mess up. I'm, I'm, I got it together. I, I. Notice how many times you're saying, ah. It's not, ah, it's him. It's always been him. And it's always going to be him. So mind, <laughs> I may not have it all together, but he does. And the good news is he put his righteousness on my account. I may not, I may not have this fixed and I may not know what I'm going to do next, but I know what I'm going to do right now. Right now I'm going to humble myself in the sight of the Lord. And I know what he's going to do when I do that because he already promised. He's going to lift me up. And then I'm going to resist the devil. And then I know what the devil has to do. He has to flee from me because he already promised that. I have the mind of Christ and I'm going to use it. Why would I not use it? No, ain't no other mind going to accomplish the same results. So I'm going to walk in the mind of Christ. So therefore, it's by grace, I'm going to start a new chapter in my life today because of what Jesus has done. And you can. I don't care how long you've battled this mind battle. You can start a new chapter today.
That's what this whole message has been about. Guys, we got to, we've got to walk free. I, I don't want to throw anything on you, but you've got to understand something. There are people depending on you walking free. See, it's not just you. There are people watching your life that desperately need to know hope and freedom and peace. And they, they don't even know what you know about Jesus yet. And they're just watching to see if this thing that you say that you have actually works. And all they need is just one little sliver of hope. So it's not just about us. See, one day I'm going to heaven no matter what. I plan on walking with Jesus for the rest of my life and one day I'm going to heaven even if I stay depressed and defeated the rest of my life here on earth. But why? Why? I don't have to, so why? You know, I, I may have somewhere between 40, 50 years. 50 years would put me right at about 100, so I don't, I don't know, but I But if I, hey... But I don't want to spend 40, 50 years depressed. I don't want to spend 40, 50 years angry and frustrated and bitter. And, and I don't want that. And I don't have to. So why would I? If I can walk in freedom, why, why would I not? And I hope if you've got anything out of these three or four services, I hope you understand that you can be free because of what Jesus did. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just give this message to you. We give this word to you. God, I thank you that every time the word of God comes forth, it's seed that's planted in our hearts. God, I pray that we would receive the word of God. We would believe the word of God. And I pray that we would obey the word of God. Because if we do, it's going to produce fruit in our lives. Way more than we could imagine. 30, 60, 100 fold fruit. And we need that. We need you, Jesus. We need the life that you can produce. We need the power, the joy, the peace, the hope, the courage. We need you, Jesus. We're dependent completely upon you. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you to take this word and speak into each heart. Those who are so torn up with strife, so torn up with confusion and stress and anxiety and doubt depression Father God I just pray right now that Lord the light would come on Father God I pray that they would just see what you've been trying to say you don't have to stay there you don't have to live there there's freedom there's hope there's peace there's wisdom there's joy there's life let this mind operate in you God, I just pray that we believe that and receive that today in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed across the room, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, you've never given your heart to Him. You can today. And that's where all freedom and joy and peace, that's where it begins. That's where life begins. Jesus paid a great price so that you could know Him and be free. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus... Or maybe you have at some point, but you're not walking with Him now and you know it. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to see you come to know Him or come home, whichever it may be. But if that sounds like you, before we pray for anybody or anything else, would you lift your hand in this room? Is there anybody like that? Okay, then secondly, 
you're a Christian and you love God. Maybe you've been here all three or four times that we've talked about the battle for the mind. Maybe you've listened to every scripture. Maybe you've hoped because that's where your battle's at. It's in your mind. You're constantly struggling. And maybe you've tried to hope, but even now the enemy's kind of tormenting you. Ah, this won't work for you. You got bigger problems than he's talking about. I want to tell you today, there's no problem bigger than the victory that Jesus has already won. There's no enemy that's bigger than your master and your savior. Nobody. And I'm telling you, if Jesus said it's true, it's true. Somewhere down the line, you've got to choose who you're going to believe. But if you'll choose to believe Him, you can walk in freedom. I didn't say it's not a battle. It's a battle you've got to fight every day. But Jesus has already won the war. All you've got to do is do what He said. Take control of your thoughts. Take it to the, to the cross. And see the victory that Jesus proclaimed. If you're battling with your mind, if you've been battling in your mind for some time, and you know God's been speaking to you, and you want freedom, and you want prayer, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? If you know God's speaking to you, and you just want to walk in the freedom and the victory that God's provided, I want you to raise your hand, because I, I don't want to just pray for you today. I want to pray for you as I remember your face, and remember your hand going up throughout the week and in the days that follow. Hallelujah. Anybody else? That's you. Man, that's, that's where I'm at. I battle with my mind. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anxiety. It could be something different for each one. But it torments you. And it keeps you from freedom. And you don't have to live that way. Jesus won the battle so that you could be free. Anybody else? That's you. I want freedom in my mind. I want freedom in my mind. I believe I can have it. I believe I can have it. Let's stand together. Would you lift your hands toward heaven with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, that you have won the battle. Not just for our physical freedom, not just for our eternal home in heaven. You've won the battle for our mind. We thank you that by the blood of Jesus, we thank you through the stripes that you bore. We thank you, Lord, through the covenant that that blood sealed. We are free according to the promise of your word that cannot be chained. We are free. So I speak freedom from fear, freedom from anxiety, freedom from torment, freedom from hopelessness. God, I speak freedom from insecurity and rejection. Freedom, God, from resentment and bitterness and anger. We speak freedom over people's minds over their lives and Father as they allow the mind that you have to operate in them as they humble themselves daily before you Lord I thank you you lift them up they can then resist the devil and he has to flee from them we thank you God that they choose to think the way you said to think and Lord as they do and as they bring their concerns before you with thanksgiving I thank you your supernatural peace guards their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus now we speak victory in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. Don't forget praise practice this afternoon at 3.30 for the praise team. Service is Wednesday night at 7. Be blessed. Go in the grace of God.